everyone. I'm Arlene Dickinson. Thanks for joining me on my podcast. It's no secret that small business is a big deal for TELUS. Earlier this year, TELUS helped make things better for small businesses through their pledge to stand with owners. In continuing their support for owners across Canada, they are excited to introduce the Owner's Advantage Plan, an exclusive mobility plan tailored to help business owners stay connected to their family, business, and community. The Owner's Advantage Plan offers a wide variety of benefits designed to provide greater value and more flexibility than ever before, including yearly device upgrades, endless data, same-day device repair, and access to on-demand virtual healthcare, all on the world's fastest mobile network in the world. Visit telus.com slash owner's advantage. Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Reinvention. Today, Arlene chats with journalist and self-love advocate, Danae Mercer. With a social media following of over 2 million people, you've likely seen Danae on your feet before. Widely known for exposing the ways in which influencers contort their bodies and edit images for Instagram, Danae's mission is to spread self-love and to ensure people know that their worth is not determined by likes and follows. Once the editor-in-chief of a well-known outlet and now a freelance journalist for many mainstream publications, Danae has a unique insider view of how the media works, which is part of the reason why she embarked on her journey to spread self-love and educate, a process which has helped her and countless others reinvent their lives. So I'm talking to Danae Mercer today. And Danae, if you don't know Danae, please follow her on social media. She is, she is the queen of self-love and paying attention to how you are really, as opposed to what social media and others expect you to be. And I have been so enjoying following her. And it's such a thrill to speak to you, Danae. Um, you're in D- Dubai right now. And yeah talking across very different time zones. So thanks for coming on the show with me and talking about reinvention. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really super honored to be here. So Danae has millions of followers and she has done that. How long have you been doing uh, social media posts for Danae? How long? And the, and well, the- I've been talking about self-love since like 2019, but I would say the the community has grown quite drastically since like the start of, honestly, the start of COVID. Uh, that's kind of when everything changed for the community. Yeah. And, and what made you, you know, maybe go tell us a little bit about your story. What made you start this and why are you so passionate about making and helping women in particular feel good about themselves and their bodies? Sure. So I started talking about self-love and kind of, body confidence concerns and those sorts of things back in April 2019 and like before that I was doing a lot of like the really traditional I'd say kind of fitspo luxury travel stuff on social media and I'm a I'm a journalist professionally so and I was the editor-in-chief of a big publication a big fitness publication out here so I was like okay this is what I need to do this is what I need to show like the, I need to show the fitness and I need to show the glamour especially where I'm based but at the end of the day, I mean, I, I love fitness. I love fitness, but I'm not, what I was showing wasn't me and it wasn't, it, it wasn't who I am. And combined with that is the fact that I had an eating disorder when I was 19 
And it happened after my mom died. It got very bad for a while. And so I've really had to navigate my own body image struggles and finding my comfort in myself and finding my place. And those two things together, I think I just reached a point in, in April where I was, I was like, I, I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of not being myself. And maybe if I talk about some of these things, maybe if I show some of these things, maybe I will feel better. Maybe other women will feel better. And I did that first post and I was terrified, but I I haven't, (laughs) I was so scared. I was on the phone to my best friend, just being like, should I do this? Is is this okay? (laughs) But honestly, I I haven't looked back since. So, so you, interesting to me, like, I want to just go back to you. You had an eating disorder when your mother passed away. And I'm sorry to hear that um, your mom has passed away when you were still relatively young. Tell me what that was like. How did you, how did it, how did it come to be? What, what was going on in your mind that created the, you know, the eating disorder and made you feel like you weren't, you were somehow not right? Sure. Well, I think, so if you look at eating disorders or even just disordered eating, often it's not, it's not just about your body. It's usually a lot to do with the external factors, things that are happening in your life, because it's, it becomes a coping mechanism. It's a, it's a tool that helps you navigate other situations. And for me, you know, I've always kind of struggled in a way with my body. Like I've never felt very comfortable in my skin. I remember being 13, 14, 15 and dieting and feeling like I needed to lose weight. Like I developed very young. I developed very early and I just, I was always just aware of this body and it never really felt good to me. And you know, I'd, I'd try all the diets like Atkins and South Beach and all of those. And then I think when, when my mom died, my world kind of fell apart and it became, everything was just really, really difficult and really rough with, with life, with work, with school, with everything it was so heavy. And it felt like food at that moment, food was something I could control. You know, it was something I could navigate and not only that, but it would, it would get me praise because I could be really thin and I could, you know, everyone wanted to be thin and I was doing it and I was doing so well. And it, it made me feel safe and it made me feel good. And it, and it felt like this was one thing that I wasn't failing at, like I could succeed in. And unfortunately it's uh, you know, it's an incredibly dangerous coping mechanism. It's, it's the, uh, well, the eating disorders, they are the, the deadliest mental illness Um, so it it became very unhealthy very quickly and yeah, it was a a tough time. (laughs) How did did you get out of it, Danae? What did you do to, you know, did you get help? Did you seek Mm -hmm. help? I'm, I'm really lucky, honestly, my, my unit, my university, Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska, (laughs) shout out to my Midwest (laughs) folks out there. Yay. Um, Yay. (laughs) They were, they were amazing. So basically I was, you know, I, I am, I am a huge nerd and I was a real academic kind of achiever and overachiever. And I had basically the professors and staff knew me because I was like that student that was like the really nerdy one. (laughs) And I had a, we had Christmas break and then we had a meeting in January for a big scholarship. And I remember walking into that room with all these professors and academics and 
I had lost so much weight and my hair was falling out and I, I looked incredibly ill because I was, I was incredibly ill. You know, I think I'd spent all that December barely eating. And when I say barely eating, that's exactly exact, I, the minimal. So I was very sick. And I walked into that room and I could just see on their faces, this kind of, oh my gosh, what has happened? And this combination of like love and fear and concern. And I also realized I, I could lose that scholarship, not because I didn't deserve it, but because they were worried for me and worried about additional pressure on me. And in the end, they actually, they gave me the scholarship, but they sat me down and they stepped in. Like my, my university actively stepped in and were like, we think you need help, you know, and we are here, we are here to support you, but let's get you help. And through them, I got a counselor at the counseling center. I got a doctor slash nurse at the medical center and a nutritionist as well. Cause it's a, it's a pre-med campus. They had all these resources, which is a, a blessing. And I had those for over a year. I would see them like once a week and it was all free of, free of charge. And that kind of three pronged approach, the mental, the physical and the food really helped me, I guess, re- recover and recover quite like de- with determination. Do you think your exterior beauty, I mean, you're, you're a beautiful woman. So do you think that your nerdiness, your intelligence juxtaposed against the beauty and what people expect, you know, from, you know, there's, there's, I'm not quite sure how to frame this because I don't want to sound like, you know, beautiful women aren't also intelligent, but there seems to be this, it seems to be like when you're nerdy inside and you're physically beautiful, that there, there's this hard kind of how you come into the world and how the world sees you and what is expected of you. Do you think that's part of it? Oh, I mean, that's, that's a really great question. It's a really great question. I've never thought about that in the context of my eating disorder and everything that happened there. But I do think there have been situations in, in even my dating life where I think the kind of men who wanted me probably wanted a, I don't know. I, I have been in situations where I felt pressure to be pretty and not open my mouth. Right. And that's like a really horrible situation. So it's a, it's a great question. I need to like, I want to think about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I it, it makes me curious because I feel like there's so much, you know, I've been talking a lot about the expectations we place on ourselves and how we often do it because somebody else wants something from us. And, and so we we're constantly trying to please everybody else's view of us and, and live up to their expectation of us. And we're not spending enough time thinking about who we are. And, and it's, I think in particular, you know, this, this, media and what happens in media with, you know, the thinness, the beauty, the, you know, the view of, you know, whether or not you can be beautiful and also really smart. <laughs> there's, your, there's your really beautiful cat. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, no, it's really pretty. Um, I think that is really impact. It impacted maybe, um, you know, you're, you're younger than I am for sure, but I think there's a generation of women who have grown up feeling that, you know, you had to find your place in the world and your place started from your physical appearance, not from your intelligence. And if it started from your intelligence, you probably, you know, you probably were somehow undesirable every other way. And it's just such a messed up thing. It's just so messed up. Oh gosh. It's, I mean, I remember reading and I must've been 
in high school at the time. And I was always like, I was in AP classes, you know, and like doing all that stuff. And I remember reading an article in a women's magazine and it was reporting on a study that basically said like they had tested these guys and, and they had tested like, there's a group of girls that were less attractive. And then there were a group of girls that were super educated and, but still really attractive and like all these different things. And to summarize it, what the study showed is like the one thing that would make the guys say no was when the women were more educated than them. It, they, they would accept anything else, but the moment the woman was more educated. And I remember reading that. And of course you're like, oh, oh, but I like, I want to be really educated. Exactly. <laughs> Wait a minute. Am I, am I, is it just going to be me and like 80 cats the rest of my life? Which is a, a, <laughs> don't, let me tell you, it's a beautiful situation, but it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot to think about. Yeah. It's it, people. And you know, when you're, I think you get told you're intimidating or somehow that there's something, you know, um, aggressive about you. If you have <laughs> intelligence and good looks, it's, it's just a very messed up um, environment. And then, and I think about, you know, I, I, ha- I think it'd be remiss to say that I find it really, I love the juxtaposition, um, easy for me to say, uh, of how you are so outwardly, you know, you, you have great physical, beautiful characteristics, but you also have this wonderful intelligence and you're not afraid to not be what everybody else thinks you should be. I mean, and, but you're doing it in Dubai, Danae, like, of all of the places, like I, I have to, you know, the Middle East is not exactly the most uh, female friendly, you know, let's talk about <laughs> body in public place. And, and, and yet you're doing it from there. So how, tell me about that. What's that like? Uh, well, I mean, so you've raised a lot of really great points. It's so interesting. I haven't, this is a very interesting conversation. Um, I think being in the region I am, like it, for me, it probably made some of the things I started talking about a lot scarier because I knew, you know, the, some of the immediate criticism I got was, was from friends out here who were like, don't you realize you're not going to be invited to this event? You're not going to be, this brand won't want to work with you. Like, ooh, Danae, you're not, like, you won't be at this function. And the horrible thing is, is, is they were right. Like I, <laughs> I remember, you know, I remember the first, there was like a yoga event with a big brand that I won't name. Uh, there was a yoga event and they, they had invited like all of my friends and everyone I knew. And then I just remember it being like, Oh, okay. So I, I, that is, I am off those lists. Like that is done for me. That is done. They do not want to be associated with my uh, quote unquote ugly, which is it's, you know, it's not ugly. I would argue it's, it's the woman's body in whatever way it shows up is pretty beautiful and incredible. But for those brands, yeah, it's, you know, I think it's something that is still emerging in the region and is maybe more nuanced to navigate. But I did also announce three days ago that I'm moving. Oh, and it's, sure. I went to Italy, funny enough. Oh, of course, <laughs> your, your other half from Italy. So. Yeah. Exactly, I, exactly. I'm jealous. Oh, well, the late hours are going to be brutal, but, (laughs) but I am actually really excited to be able to open up bigger conversations about things I really care about. And and there shouldn't be a, you shouldn't be penalized for being honest and being, you know, open about 
who you are. I, I find that the world is just so crazily judgmental. And I, and I, and I, in a way that just, you know, like the shaming culture and the cancel culture and the, you know, the, 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 you know, I'm woke now about stuff, <laughs> like all of it. I mean, I get it. I mean, we need to be conscious of what's happening in, in, in societal norms and we need to understand what's going on. We need to make sure we're fighting against all prejudices and, 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 but some of it is just the cancel and the, and the shaming is just, Awful. So, but you're doing it in the midst of all that. I mean, in the middle of what is really, I think, a heightened hyperbole around looking perfect all the time in social media. You're, you've gone the exact opposite way, which I think takes an enormous amount of courage. Where did you find the courage? Where did you find, where do you find the, you know, I've seen some of your posts and I think, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could. I mean, I think I'm pretty honest and not I am honest, but I don't know if I'm as able to talk about my body the way you are. What got you there? What made you so courageous? Well, thank you. I I don't know if you can see, I'm over here like squeezing my elbow because I'm like, I'm not courageous. I, this is like, I'm like gripping my elbow because um, I, I, don't, I don't think of myself that way. Like, I think I would say I am determined and I believe strongly in what I believe in. And that is maybe helping, you know, I, I got a message the other day from a mom saying she sat with my phone with her nine-year-old daughter and they spent an hour like scrolling, looking at the images and, and talking about bodies and talking about social media. And I would say those are things I'm determined to do. I'm determined to try as much as I can to even the scale, to talk in ways that feel true to me about things that I've navigated, about bodies, about eating disorders, about mental health, about being a woman, you know, and the things that we have to deal with. I would, I don't think of it as courage though. I think of it as there's a responsibility, you know, like I have been through so many things in my life and some of the many things I haven't even spoken about yet, but I, I would love to one day. And if I am lucky enough to end up in the position I've ended up in with the community I have, then I have a responsibility to, to try to help, you know? And I would say I'm probably going to get it wrong pretty often. I'm pretty, I'm still learning many things myself, but I think there's, there's that core of responsibility. Are you insecure? I would say I am not the most secure person. <laughs> it's, it, I think people meet me and they expect this like really loud, dominant personality that's going to, you know, be super forceful in the room. And when it comes to like work, like if I'm on a magazine or I'm a journalist and I'm reporting and I'm like investigating, I'm, I feel pretty forceful and strong. But when it's me, when it's my life, when it's my body, I'm still learning my strength in those areas. I would say I feel more comfortable with myself now than I ever have. Like I feel more assured of who I am. I'm more like proud of who I am. I'm happier with who I am. But I think probably like most women, I, I still have days where I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, that's, whew, or, oh, that's hard. And that's why I, you know, I journal and I meditate and I do these things that really tap into like here. Yeah. 
I always say to people that I'm, you know, cause I'm, I'm very insecure. And I always say to people that professionally, I'm very secure. I'm very clear on what mm-hmm. I know and what I don't know. And I, and I'm, I, I can be assertive about it and confident and talk about the things I know, but personally, I'm incredibly insecure around my body, around my looks around all like, and, and you characterized it really well when you talked about being 13 and finding that you didn't feel comfortable in your body. And I think that's true for so many Mm-hmm. women and, and we we do as I mean the show is about reinvention and we do basically reinvent ourselves through uh, the cycles of our life as as females you know whether you know when we when we we grow up and we figure out what our sexual identity is we go through you know we get our periods for the first time we you know we find ourselves you know with hormones racing through our body in love and looking for love all the time then we you know then we go through menopause I mean there, there's so many different aspects to our lives that we have to reinvent ourselves into you're still kind of in the middle of that journey how do you see yourself you know how do you see people being able to reinvent themselves when their body changes through all that because your body is what it is today but is it going to be like that 20 years from now is it going to you know how are you going to deal with it then it's a great question there's a poem that I found the other day and I just absolutely love and it it goes, and this is going to be brutalizing it, but it, it basically says like, you will one day rise up as a woman that is a, you will shed the skin of all the women you were before and rise up with a thousand names in your mouth before you taste the power of your own. Something like that, but. Love it. Oh, it's so powerful because like you were saying, we do constantly reinvent ourselves. We try on different identities. We, you know, we taste different words and what I think is so wonderful is when women realize they don't have to listen to this person or this person, they don't have to be that or that. They just have to be what identity, what word, what taste feels right to them. Right. And that's, that's incredible. And honestly, how will I handle changes going forward? How will I continue this journey? I, I hope with more and more strength, like I'm 34 now. And I would say like, Every year I get older, I get a little bit more like, this is me. And, and if you don't like it, that's okay. And if you do like it, awesome. And you know, you do you. And that feeling has just grown and grown. I know from speaking to so many mothers, I think motherhood and how your body changes there is, is a difficult journey and a, a really delicate one to navigate. So I'm curious to see what that will be like for me if, if hopefully I get that. Um, I start buying gray hairs. So that's a new one. I'm like, Oh, well, how do I, how do I feel about this? But, (laughs) but fortunately I've, I've got a, like our Facebook community is now 26,000 women. And even yesterday a woman posted and she's like, you know, I've been letting my darker hair, which is me. I've been letting my darker hair grow out. And I've noticed I've got gray hairs and I'm not sure about this. And I'm there, I'm there as like the admin. I'm like, Oh, tell me your advice. Like, this is so exciting. (laughs) You know? So I just, I think I just hope I keep learning as I go through each reinvention. Well, I will tell you, um, because I have gone through, uh, I, I'm, I'm 64, so I'm 30 years older than you. And I can tell you that it took me a lot longer to get where you are. And you should be really proud of the fact that you already are starting to feel more confident about who you are. It took me many years. It took me being single and spending time by myself and starting to really think about who I was before I could reinvent myself into somebody who was quite comfortable in their body and quite comfortable with how I look and who I am. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful it didn't happen too late. (laughs) It did did happen, but I have a lot of respect for, 
your generation who really are thinking about what equality means. And, and maybe that's what I want to come back to is that when we, I don't, you don't know, you don't hear stories of, I don't know how many, you know, what, what men deal with in terms of body issues, et cetera, and feeling like they, their, their physicality is actually what defines them. I don't, I imagine there's lots of studies that say they don't have nearly the same type of um, pressure on them. Mm-hmm. And, and I, but yet, I, I, if you think about, you know, you having the courage and I, it is courage, Danae, it is courage. That first post, when you said, am I putting this out there? It is courage you took. Why do you think that, why do you think men don't feel the same way about their bodies and, and worrying about what we, we, we think about them, what women think about them? Why is that? Is that- it's, it's really interesting because one of the questions that has come up a lot recently is it, from, from women in kind of the group and the community is like, oh, does my partner think about my body when we're being intimate? Does my partner like hate me for my body? Like, does my partner, my body's changed? Does my partner notice? Like, yeah. and it's often that kind of, we see ourselves mirrored in the men, but I, I don't think I've ever heard a man. And I'm, I'm not saying this doesn't happen. I'm sure it does, but I've never heard a man say like, <laughs> does my partner think about my body while we're being intimate? <laughs> it's more just like, I know. You know, heck yes, party time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yes, yeah, that's all we're thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I, I think for so many years, the way a, a female, a, a woman's value has been defined has been based on her beauty. And that isn't true for, for men. Like for men, there are different pressures. You know, it's, it's the pressure to be a provider. It's a pressure to keep the stable home. It's the pressure to always seem strong and not give emotions, which is why there's such a a high rate of, of suicide among men. But for women, it's that pressure of my worth as an individual to go back to like that article, right? My worth isn't in my brain. It's not in my degrees. Indeed, that could hamper me. My worth is in my aesthetic and my worth is being pretty. And that's, I would love to say like social media has swept in and destroyed that. But then you go on to TikTok, which is arguably, it is, I think it is the fastest growing platform at the moment. It is like where all the teenagers are. And oh my goodness, if that doesn't take us back 15, 20 years in terms of aesthetic and beauty. So it's, it's something we still drastically need to fight against and, and talk about. Absolutely. And you've, you've experienced challenges on that platform where they're actually taking, <laughs> you know, you're, you're there comparing bodies and talking, not comparing bodies, but showing how um, selfies and, you know, kind of the fakeness of how people look and the imagery of what you look like in social media can be manipulated and changed and it's not real. You're, you're telling the truth. They take down your posts and yet they're put up millions of posts of women just showing their bodies off, which are all manipulated for the most part. You know, what's going on with that? What, what is the backlash to TikTok on that? <laughs> well, it's frustrating. Let's just say that. It's, it's incredibly frustrating. Basically, I, I keep getting my videos taken down. And at first I thought, okay, well, it's because I'm in a bikini. And they're just, they're just protecting innocence. Like they don't want these little ones to see skin. That's what they're doing. So the first few times that happened, I was just like, okay, Danae, you just, you just need to cover up more. They're just trying to keep the, you know, the little ones safe. Okay. And then, and then I like 
I do edit one, which you can do on TikTok. You like partner with a video. I do edit one of a model that I had found a model in a bikini, like walking down the road, you know, doing sexy stuff. And I literally was wearing the same amount as her. It's just my body is different. I have cellulite, I have wiggles and my video got censored. And I, and I was just like, well, you know, what's going on here? This, this, this feels strange. Looked into the bikini hashtag. And if you are a, a parent listening, it's, it's worth looking at these. It's worth knowing what's on that platform, you know, and right away, it was very clear. It wasn't about the amount of clothing I have on. Anyways, I started speaking about it on Instagram, which is a, a, a larger platform for me. And I was inundated with different creators who were saying, my self-love content's being taken down, or there's a girl who has a condition where her skin blisters. And she did a video just showing like, this is me in my life. And here's what I have to do every day. This is how I bandage my blisters. And that was taken down. There's a trans activist who just, just like talking to the camera yeah. and her videos were taken down. So it's a reoccurring problem. And the conversations between myself and TikTok are happening, but at the same time, stuff keeps getting censored. So it's, again, I, I think the biggest thing we can do right now, especially as adults is, is be aware. Like I, there's a, a young girl, I think she's 17, 16, who she does self-love content. She shows her tummy and she's received hideous bullying from it, but she's, she's really big and she's, you know, she's pretty confident, like but her platform's large. Um, and even today she was saying there is a, there's another account that's going around messaging big creators, like larger size, uh, who have a lot of followers, creators saying like, Hey, my management agency manages only fans accounts. Have you thought about joining? Keep in mind, she's 16 and she's like, I'm, I'm underage. Like, what is this? And he's like, Oh, sorry. I didn't know. And then he goes and he messages another one. And she's like, I'm underage. What is this? So it's stuff like that. That's really important just to be aware of like this platform could be incredible, but it's, it's still learning how to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's, I don't know if it's learning how to be safe. I mean, maybe you're being, I think that's kind because I actually think they do know. And, and I think they do understand what's going on and they understand the, um, the power of sexuality being the draw to the platform. And, and, you know, we, we, we can talk all we want about how we're changing and, you know, talk about being woke about, you know, things, you know, like we can talk that we understand what's going on, but the reality is, is that it's still such a male dominated world and it's still a world dominated by algorithms that actually look for specific and are, and are programmed by men for the most part. And I don't want to sound like I'm um, male bashing because I'm not, but it, it's just a fact. I mean, the predominantly this, these are male programmers who are thinking about kind of the right algorithms to build to, you know, get the content up to the top that is the content that is sexual in nature. I mean, it just is what it is. And, and it, yeah, those platforms, I mean, we're, how long is, how long have social media platforms been around now for like 10 years, 10 years, 10 years, 10 years, 10 years, 10 years. They should have learned a lot in that period of time about what's going on with the abuse of it and the bullying that's going on on it. It needs to reinvent itself. Those social platforms have got to reinvent themselves into being, and people can talk all they want about free speech. It's not about free speech. You know, hate, hate mm -hmm. language and, and bullying of 16 year old girls who are just talking about themselves. Like that's, 
not okay. No, and I, I think I absolutely, absolutely agree. As someone who has, you know, I grew over a million followers in, I say, three months at one stage. And I had to learn very quickly because you go from quite like a small community that knows you and are all, you know, your little cheerleaders and you're cheering each other and it's really beautiful. And then when you shoot up and suddenly the hate grows as well and you have to learn very quickly how to handle stronger voices or people tearing you down. And especially if you are, I mean, you said in a way you're, there are elements of you that are insecure. There are definitely parts of me that are insecure. And there were nights where I was up crying, crying and shaking because of some of the stuff that was sent my way. And I think of myself, you know, I'm 34 years old. I am like ex editor in chief. I have worked for like CNN and big global platforms. And I'm still there with my phone sobbing in the middle of the night. And I think of these little like 16 year olds, 15 year olds who are still learning their place in this world. And I a thousand percent agree that we have a responsibility to, to not let that hatred happen to them. Yeah, that's, that's well said. I believe that there's got to be more and more voices. I I've been talking a lot about, you know, kind of my journey is at my age and my stage in my career. And, and I, and, and the women in, in my community that reaches reach back out to me uh, and men as well, you know, really are just thankful that somebody's telling the truth about what it feels like to be at the stage of your life and, and, and alone, you know, and single. And I think, uh, or just talking about these conversations where we really, I think, undress, you know, this reality of what people expect from us. And, and I think, you know, back to the question on, you know, what do you think got us here? I do think marketing and media have a, an enormous, enormous role to play. Um, you just, I don't know, like I grew up with, you know, reading, you could read some of the old magazines where if you weren't taking care of your husband when he came home and didn't look perfect and you weren't in a dress and the meal wasn't on the table and the drink wasn't ready to put in his hand and the kids weren't perfectly quiet. If that wasn't happening, then you were a failure as a female, you were like a total failure. And, and so that it's hard to get rid of that imagery as you find your own strength and you, but you, you have grown up in a different generation, but you found your, you found a strength. I, I know you say it's not courageous, but it is courageous. I want to tell you, I think you're very courageous. And you don't do it by shaming other people. You're not holding up, you know, um, you know, do you know Celeste? Uh, Celeste um, um, yeah, okay. So so I, I really, I really love that she's not shaming the models that she's showing. She's just kind of making saying, you know, like, this is the real world. I, I'm going to try this too. And she's, she's basically saying, you know, they were some people are born with great physical attributes. You know, they can, they can do things because they're physically, they, God gave them whatever they have. It's not because they've done anything different. And she gets on there and just is herself. And, and I've noticed that she's been getting shamed because she's lost weight, which I just think is just so <laughs> crazy. Like she's taking care of herself and now she's getting shamed because you looked better when you were, you know, now you're not as funny or as real. I guess it's, you see the comments, as you said, you kind of go, how do people find permission to reinvent themselves when everybody's judging you? How do you, how do you do it? How do you think people, well, what's the advice you give to people? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think it's, there are so many, so many things there that are worth, worth talking about. I think on a personal level, I'm a, I'm a big fan of not shaming and yeah, big fan because I think, I mean, 
if you look at like even Renee Brown did a bunch of research into shaming, didn't she? Where studies have shown shaming doesn't create change. It creates people digging their heels in and saying, no, this is who I am. Or it creates this really awful feeling of lack of self-worth. Like it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a positive way to, to create change. And if that is your ultimate goal, you don't do it. It's like, I, I have a really strong and, and very something I believe in very strongly. And it's, I don't play with bullies and I will never play with bullies. And that's just, we don't play that game on my page. We don't play it in Facebook. We don't play it with the people I interact with. Like I don't play with bullies because if you truly want to interact to enact change, that's not how you do it. Mm-hmm. I think, how do you reinvent yourself in a world that is trying to tell you not to? And it's something I've, I've had to learn, you know, I've, I've had to learn multiple times. Like I was at, <laughs> when I was at Creighton for a while, I was, I was down the route of becoming a professor. Like that was the path I was taking. I was a double major. I was doing research into uh, political science and math. And I, I hate math, but I was doing it and I was, you know, determined and I was like published in academic articles and those sorts of things. And with my eating disorder, I had to, part of the recovery was me being really honest with myself and saying like, am I, am I doing this because I love it and because I care about it and it fills my soul or am I doing it because I think that's how this person will, will respect me and that's how I'll get their approval and that's how, you know, they will think I'm worthy. Am I doing it for me or am I doing it for them? And I was 1000% doing it for them and I had to I had to, to take that step. I had to go and, and, and do that reinvention process where I met with that individual. And I said, you know, I'm actually, I, I don't want to do this. This isn't me. And I thought I could make it work. And I thought maybe it was, but it, it's not. And it was hard because that individual was like, okay, well, we're, this is done then. And for someone who, you know, I have always looked for parental figures in my life because of my life, it was, it was very difficult, but it, it wasn't the only time that's happened. Like, I think, you know, even if you look at my shift in what I talked about on social media, that was another situation where I was like, I need to be true to who I am. And I'm not because I'm afraid of what they will say. I'm afraid of what they will think. But I, I truly believe like inside each and every one of us, it's like, I think of it like a little popcorn kernel. Like, I think we have this little popcorn kernel that just sits in the very core of us. And we know what it is. We know what our truth is. We sometimes lose sight of it. We sometimes ignore it. But at the end of the day, like it is there, it is there in our heart. And if we fight it, if we ignore it, like we can force things, we can, we can do things, but we will know we're not being true to ourselves and it won't feel good. So I'm a big believer in like, we have to listen to that. Like we have to, for our own sanity, for our own joy, for our own life. Like, and that's, that's how you reinvent yourself is you just, you give yourself that grace to, okay. So another quote I love is, (laughs) it says anything that begins with, I'm worried about what they'll think doesn't end with you being your true self. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how, that's how you reinvent yourself is you don't worry about them what's going on with your popcorn, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's a great way to put it as well. I think as you're talking, I was thinking about, you know, I wonder, I wonder 
to me, the more honest I've been with people, like the more open I've been about my life, the, the better I felt. Like the, it, I think we're so afraid to be vulnerable because we're afraid of what people will think, as you said, but actually it's, it's freeing. It's incredibly yeah. freeing to be who you are. It, it, it suddenly you go, yeah, you know, and I don't, it doesn't matter if you like me or not, but you said something that I find interesting. Um, you don't engage with bullies, which I'm the same way when I get, I just, you know, I just ignore, 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 like there's no, there's no point, but yet you found yourself crying you know, and shaking in the middle of the night because there was so much hatred and it's still, so it still impacts us just because you don't engage doesn't mean you're not feeling the pressure of that. How have you coped with it? Do you, do you still, do you read every comment still? Do you? Well, I think, so I cope with it in a few ways, right? Like I think when it first happened to me, when it first started happening, it was a really steep learning curve mm-hmm. and it can be pretty painful and it's, it makes you doubt yourself, like shaming, it's shaming, right? And, and it's shaming of, oh, well, maybe, maybe I'm not worthy. Maybe I have done something wrong. Maybe I don't deserve this. Maybe I'm a bad person. Like, you know, you get all those thoughts, but then I think what helped me learn to navigate my first experience and then navigate the others after is when I saw those individuals who were bullying me and I saw them attacking young girls with eating disorders after me. And for me, I, it's, it's hard. I don't know if this makes sense, but sometimes I find it hard to stand up for myself, but it's so much easier to stand up for people that I see as needing someone to protect them. Maybe it's like, like if you were to kick me, I'd probably be like, okay, that's all right, fine. But if I saw you like kicking a puppy, that would not, we would not play that game. Like I will be in there and I will be, I will be, I don't know, kung fuing. I don't know where this analogy is going. <laughs> no, I, but I get it. Like you're like a, a, a justice warrior. I, I, okay. I, I totally understand that. Like, you're, you're, like, <laughs> I'm glad that's, that's what you took yeah. from my puppy no, analogy. No, <laughs> no I, I did because I, I, you know, like people can, if they want to go at me, okay, I'll fight my, you know, I'll defend myself and I don't need somebody to defend for me. I can defend myself but when I see somebody who is vulnerable and yeah. is innocent and who has no control being bullied I, yeah. I I that's where I just kind of go no that is not okay like you cannot mm-hmm. do that and it's yeah. and I think it comes from a complex childhood as well one <laughs> of the things about being honest about yourself is you know you being really honest about your body but you mentioned earlier that you know, there's things in your past that you're going to address one day. Do you think when you finally get to that place? And I don't think, by the way, I don't think addressing them means you have to say them to the world. I think addressing them just means that you have to acknowledge them in some way with yourself, you know, and kind of think about what they do. You know, sometimes people think that freedom comes with spilling your whole world to everybody. I don't think that's true. I think it's about just acknowledging your past. Do you feel like you're on that journey? Do you feel like you're getting to the place where you can look at your past and unbundle it and recognize it? It's a really beautiful question. I think, yes, <laughs> it's the, the short story. Yes, absolutely. I, I think, I don't know if this is something many women experience or, or not, but for me, as I get older, the more I understand who I was when I was younger, and it's fascinating because you kind of look back and you're like, oh, okay, I, I get what was happening there. Okay. I understand why I did that. Okay. Like, gosh, I wish I could have a conversation with her. Cause if only she knew. And 
I don't know. I also think there's for a long time for me personally, I was, I was probably ashamed of my past, ashamed of where I've come from. You know, there were like trailer parks and that sort of thing. And it can be challenging when you are in certain environments to be like, well, this is my background, but at least for parts of my life. But as I become more confident in myself and, and my story, I, I don't think, I don't feel ashamed. I feel more, maybe someone else needs to hear this. Like maybe there is a little girl who needs to know that, you know, she can do this. I don't want to say that she can do this too. Like, but she can chase her own dreams or so. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm moving in that direction. That's one of the things you talk about is what, you know, about your 13 year old self, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what would you tell your 13 year old self right now? Yeah. And, and that, so you're basically doing that to all the other 13 year old girls out there who are going through, which I think is in itself really wonderful. And I do believe, you know, like I remember those meetings, Danae, where I'd be at a big social events or big, you know, or, or me or business meetings in a boardroom and people would go around the table and talk about their backgrounds and how smart they were and how big they were. And I'd sit there and go, holy shit, like I'm not any of these things. And I, you know, I don't have a degree. I don't have this. I don't have that. I would go through it all and I would, I would self-talk into all the things I didn't have versus think about what I did have because I was so busy myself to everybody else and when you reinvent I think what you have to do is you have to take the past with you that you you have to understand the past and figure out what you learned from it but you don't let it drag you back there you you know okay okay that was my reality and that doesn't define who I am in the future it just it helps shape and inform me but it doesn't define me and I think that's the trip we we get thinking people will define us by our by our formative years right yeah I love the way you've put it where you said you would get distracted by comparing yourself instead of thinking about essentially what you in your own way brought to the table because I think so many women like we we talk ourselves out of reinvention or out of dreams or out of goals because we look at what everyone else has done and we think like well they have this or they've done this or I will never be this good but I love your way of looking at it because it, it we could flip that and say yeah but look what I can bring. Right. I think that's I always, beautiful. I always say to people, listen, I, I, there's physical limitations to what I can do. I can't, I won't ever be a supermodel. I'm not five foot 10. I'm not, you know, young and I'm not, you know, I'm not beautiful that way, but I could be the person at this stage in my life who invents a new type of model who looks differently and thinks differently. Not that they're wrong. And there's, you know, the two different, is, is, my point is that you can always invent something. You can always create and I think creating means that you can't do what maybe the norm is, but you can do something completely different. That's very similar, but in its own way, beautiful. So I think we have to tell people as they want to reinvent themselves that don't think about what is normal. Think about what's possible and, and what's possible is pretty much, or don't think about what's not possible, which is I can't be a supermodel. Think about what is possible. What can I be? You know, what, what am I capable of? What's your words? I mean, I, 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 What's your words of advice to you just I can't I don't feel like I've done justice to the interview and in that I feel like I really hope that my listeners to this podcast will go and look you up and and realize, you know, the the things you're doing, um, the vulnerability, the the honesty, the authenticity, the 
um, the true meaning of what you're trying to do, which is help women feel good about their bodies um, and self-love. I do hope they will look you up and follow you and, and be a positive member of your community because you deserve all of that and more. But what's your, what's your closing words that you want to say to the other 13-year-old girls that are out there? What would you like to tell them? I think I would like to say just, just know that whatever you're feeling, whether it's, oh, my body is not pretty enough. Oh, my face isn't pretty. Oh, who I am. I'm too stupid. I'm not worthy. I'm a bad person. Or, you know, if you are doing weird things with food or weird things with substances, like whatever kind of shame you are carrying in your heart, I think just know that that you aren't alone. You're not broken. You're not a mistake. That there is a billion dollar industry that is thriving off of making you feel as bad as possible mm-hmm. and that you're you're the exact opposite you are powerful and you are strong and special and exactly as you are in that very moment you are so wonderful and you are so worthy yeah that's 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 fabulous i don't have anything to I don't want to add to that because it was a wonderful, a wonderful way to end the interview. Danae, you, you are really inspirational. So thank you for taking the time from Dubai. Where in Italy <laughs> are you going to be going? Where are you going Florence. to go? Florence. Florence. Oh, so I love excited. Florence. Oh, <laughs> it's beautiful there. It's so beautiful. Oh, it's so pretty. It's so romantic, right? It's just a perfect place for love. <laughs> and, and, and you're in love. Are you, yeah, you're, I'm in love. So is it it's, love? Is this it's, it's, love? It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, a new, but very strong love. So it feels, it feels really good. It's, it's a move to Italy, love. <laughs> it's a move. It, yeah. It's a move. My cats to Italy. That's the, it's a difficult one. <laughs> well, I, I wish you nothing but joy and happiness. I can't wait to see all of your posts in the future. And thank you so much for spending the time talking to me today about reinvention. Thank you. Things are seldom what they seem, especially on social media. When Danae set out to show this, she was met with skepticism from many around her. She was told she would never be welcome in certain crowds or popular events due to the stance that she's taken. But that didn't slow her down. Having dealt with the pressure of conforming to society's preconceived notions of beauty and recovering from an eating disorder, she is determined to reinvent the way society looks at a perfect body. Determining your worth is never accomplished through the opinions of others. Whether you're a world-famous supermodel or a best-selling author, only you have the power to validate yourself. Stay safe and stay human. Thanks for listening, everybody. This podcast is made possible by the great folks at Venture Communications. Thanks to our engineers, writers, producers, and all the folks who work really hard to bring you these great stories of reinventions each and every week.